Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed, Bed Crime, Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. That one was fucking smooth. Was it smooth? That was so smooth. That like, I feel flowed like, <laughs> really well. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking like Delilah. Do you guys remember Delilah, the nighttime DJ oh, that yeah. was like syndicated DJ? Like, what's on your heart tonight? That's how I feel like I'm talking tonight. I feel very like subdued. I like it. Delilah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, welcome everybody to Bed Crime Stories. Thank you for uh, joining us this evening. I'm going to kick it over to Nikki to start us off with our true crime headlines. Mm-hmm. All right. So my very first one is from Oxygen, mm-hmm. which I know I That's messaged the girls about this. The 11-year-old girl fights off knife-wielding kidnapper in harrowing attack caught on video. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure this is the same little girl who basically had put, like, the slime on the inside of the guy's arm, and that's how he was caught. Yes. And she said she learned that from Law & Order. I know. I know. <laughs> it was, like, so sweet. I know. But, yeah. That was my first story. I and love I'm, a baby true crime fan. I know. So if you haven't seen this yet um this was posted on oxygen uh may 19th 2021 so i'd highly recommend like pulling it up and like reading it and then like watching the video because it's awesome it was awesome she was pretty badass so cool and then (sighs) when we were looking for stories i got really upset about this one and i was like i guess this is a story that i'm gonna do today (laughs) a texas mother oh sorry hold on this is from People, and mm-hmm. it was posted June 2nd, 2021. Okay. I don't know why I want to read the times when I read the dates. <laughs> like, I'm also going to be like... 10.53 a.m. Oh, that was close. Was Three, it? 3.52 p.m. Oh, I mean, weird. the fi- you yeah, said 53. I mean, yeah. that's kind of doody, 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 doody. I know. <laughs> so it says, a Texas mother allegedly shoots five-year-old son while trying to aim at neighbor's dog. Um, let There's me... a lot of really bad stuff in there. Yeah. Um, so it's saying, and I guess this happened this past uh, Saturday, which if you're listening to us, it's not this past Saturday. <laughs> it was a couple Saturdays ago. <clears throat> but it said Houston police received a 911 call for a shooting at about 2.15 on Saturday, officials said. Upon arrival, officers discovered a five-year-old boy had been struck in the admin abdomen 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 by a ricocheting bullet how the fuck do i know that word but i can't say abdomen (laughs) gone investigators learned the child's mother um had fired a small caliber pistol three times at a dog running loose across the street wow it said the owner of the six-month-old boxer (gasps) named bruno bruno that he heard his dog barking in the front yard and went outside to bring him inside when he heard the gunshots. Is Bruno okay? <clears throat> yeah, Bruno's fine. Is the boy okay? Uh, hold on. Checked I mean, on the dog first. Sorry, yeah, that's I mean, terrible. Yeah. It says, uh, the owner said, <clears throat> Bruno's owner said, she could have handled it differently. You know, she was there. Her husband was there. I was there. Nothing would have happened. Nothing bad like that. He said he told the station he felt bad for the child getting hit and continues to have nightmares about the incident. He Mm. said, I was asleep and I had a dream hearing the little boy crying. And that's what woke me up when I was sleeping yesterday. And then it said the boy was treated for non-life threatening wounds. Oh, thank God. So it said the investigator stated the dog's owner was issued a sighting for the dog running loose. Which, I mean, if you have dogs. It happens. It happens. You don't want to say like. 
It happens. But, like, literally, my, like, one of my really good friends, when she was pregnant, she was in the middle of, like, a shower, and somehow her dogs got outside. So she had to, like, get dressed and, like, her pregnant self, like, pull (laughs) both of these dogs, because they were, like, up and down the street. Mm. It just... It It happens. happens. Dogs get loose. It happens. They do. So, very sad, but the baby didn't die. Hopefully, something happened to the mother. It didn't say if she was charged. I mean, I would hope that she would be. You would think. Anyways, <sighs> Holly. Yes. So, so I'm gonna send it over to you for your story this week. I'm yes, excited. Yes, yes. Yeah. I have a I have a really uh, a good one this week. I'm I'm excited to tell this story. But before I begin, um, I am going to give a quick shout out to some new listeners. Um, they work with me at my day job. And they are recent recruits to Ooh. Bed Crime Stories. So I'm going to say hi to Shelby, Steven, Celine, and Caitlin. What's up, guys? Oh, man. Yeah. How many people? Four. Oh, hi, guys. Shelby, Steven, Celine, and Caitlin. Delilah. Okay. <clears throat> so a while back, we uh, had a listener story. It was the story of Oba Chandler and his victims, the Phillips family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was recommended to us by a listener named Kelly. And after we published the episode, I reached out to Kelly. I wanted to thank her for sending in the story and, you know, just kind of check in with her, say, hey, thanks so much for sending. It was a great story to tell, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And she replied back with yet another story to tell. So I'm going to give you guys another listener story from Kelly. Thanks, Just Kelly. Chock full of good ideas, this one. Thanks, Kelly. Yes, it's very exciting. It's is also it from here. It's also another oh, local sorry. story to Tampa, which is kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to tell it in a little bit of a different way. So, kind of a heavy hitter. We do have a former serial killer here in Tampa, Bobby Joe Long. He was active in the early 80s. But instead of telling Bobby Joe Long's story, I'm going to tell a survivor story. Lisa McVeigh, who is a survivor of serial killer Bobby Joe Long and is the person who helped him be caught. So. I love this story. Yes. It's such a good one. It is a very good one. So. I'm so excited to hear you tell me. I know, I know, I know. So my sources today are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and A&ETV.com. And A&ETV had a great first hand account from Lisa McVeigh herself. So that's where a lot of this information is pulled directly from Lisa. So even though I don't want to say too much about Bobby Joe Long because he's uh, a monster, um, I am going to just give a little bit of kind of background contextual information about what his crimes were so you guys get just an idea at least of who we're dealing with. And then we're going to dive headfirst into Lisa McVeigh's story. So Bobby Joe Long was born October 14th, 1953 in Canova, West Virginia. He was born with an extra X chromosome, which is Mm. known as Klinefelter syndrome. And this condition actually causes a higher amount of estrogen. So you it's XXY instead of XY for a male, right? Because male chromosomes are XY. He's XXY. So because of that, he has like that extra female chromosome. Yeah. And... Because of this condition, when he hit puberty, he actually grew breast (gasps) tissue. And this caused him to be teased mercilessly by his classmates. Um, He wound up actually having um, surgery to remove the tissue from his chest. But, of course, obviously suffering that you know mental torture of being picked on for for his childhood. Um, He also did suffer multiple head injuries 
as a child. So big old red flag there. Mm-hmm. And he had a very odd relationship with his mother. So he actually shared a bed with his mom until he was 13 years old. He did wind up marrying um, in 1974. She was his high school girlfriend. Wait, I thought you were going to say he married his mom. No, no, no. <laughs> the way that that ran, I was like, sorry. He ended up marrying his sorry. mom? No, not. Sorry. Got, no, did not do that. <laughs> Joey saw it too. We both looked at each other like, 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 his mother? <laughs> Where am I? Married his high school girlfriend. Um, the two actually did wind up having two children before she filed for divorce in 1980. So prior to the infamous Tampa Bay area murders, Long had committed at least 50 rapes as the classified ad rapist in Fort Lauderdale, Ocala, Miami, and Dade County in 1981. So basically what he would do is he would answer classified ads for small appliances. And when he would arrive at the home, if there was a woman there by herself, he would rape her. This is why even with Facebook like well, marketing, it's like, the, it's like the Craigslist stuff. Like you meet in a public place, yeah. and I always bring my boy, my boyfriend with me because he's scary looking. <laughs> so nobody's gonna mess with him. Yeah, but well, don't do things live and learn. I guess right. Um, so he wound up being tried and convicted for rape in 1981, but he requested a new trial, which was granted, but the charges were later dropped. So fun. <sighs> kooky um before bobby killed in florida he did live for a very short amount of time out in long beach california and bobby resumed that same mo that started in the southeast by contacting women through the penny saver and other classified ads and again if he found the woman home alone he would ask to use the bathroom he would take out his rape kit and brutally rape and rob the women so these crimes actually wound up never being prosecuted by the local california authorities so what a monster. Uh, yeah. So Long winds up settling in the Tampa area in 1983. That's the year I was born. That's the year me and Jovi were born. Oh, you guys were born the same year? Yes. <clears throat> I wasn't even thought of yet. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we know. Sorry. 89. <laughs> um, so he settles in Tampa in 1983. And at that time, before he moved in, Hillsborough County had been averaging about 30 to 35 homicides per year. But in 1984, the murder rate spiked. During one eight-month period, a killer with a unique MO, can we guess who it is, was averaging a murder every other week. What the fuck? Yeah. So, basically, he was binding, raping, and killing his victims, and then dumping them in unusual positions and poses around the area. Hey, just just curious, uh, maybe Jovi can look this up, but what is 2020's murder rate for the year? Mm. That's a good question. Hillsborough County's 2020 murder rate. rate. What is that called? A rate? Murder rate. (laughs) I'd just be kind of intrigued to see if it's gone down or if it's actually gone up. Oh, I'm not But I mean, I'd also also like to compare the amount of people that lived in Tampa Bay at the time versus now because there's so many people that live here. Well, that's what I was going to say. You figure that's 1983 and they were averaging 30 to 35. There's no way that the population hasn't like tripled quadrupled since then uh-huh. oh here we go oh here we Tampa go Tampa violent crimes um says 31 murders huh. 127 rapes oh. 286 robberies and 1227 assaults fun so 
A year? Uh, yeah. I mean, 31 a year isn't... Just Tampa, though, versus... Oh, just Tampa. Oh, so But kind of on on trend, I guess. But this is for the U.S. Uh, Murder, 16,425. Rape, 139,815. That's it? Mm. Robbery, 267,988. Yeah, but with the rape, those are recorded. That doesn't mean... Mm. Um, An assault, 821,182. Dang. So. Stop assaulting people. Yeah. Please. Assault is bad for your heart. Okay. That was a stupid joke. Okay. Wow. Um, Averaging a murder every other week. So the killer was binding, raping, and killing his victims and then dumping him in, dumping them in unusual positions and poses around the area. The first victim was discovered in May of 1984 when the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office was called to a crime scene where the body of a nude woman had been found. So this began the investigation into the abduction, rape, and murders of at least 10 women in three counties in the Tampa Bay area. Um, those murders spanned Hillsborough, Pasco, and Pinellas counties, um, and it involved personnel from the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, the Tampa Police Department, the Pasco County Sheriff's Office, and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So the bodies were unusually, nope, the bodies were usually discovered uh, long after the murder in a state of decomposition, dumped near a rural roadside, and then dragged into the woods. In 1984, Long began driving around areas known for sex work and rundown bars where women were found alone. He would, like, troll for his victims. He later claims that his victims approached him, um, and then he would persuade them to enter his car and then take him back to his apartment. He wasn't that cute. Yeah, no. no. Like, he's not yeah. someone you would not even like. at a bar Not even, like, 1984 like... cute. Yeah. Um, at the apartment, he would bind his victims with rope and ligatures that he fashioned using a variety of rope knots. Long later confessed that he got pleasure from the abduction, rape, and brutal murder of his victims. His mode of killing did vary. So some of his victims were strangled, others' throats were cut, and still others were bludgeoned to death. The bodies were placed in unique positions and displayed. Uh, that was air quotes, which you can't see. So I'm going to tell you I'd use air quotes. For example, he would position the victim's bodies with their legs splayed five feet apart and at odd angles. Of Long's 10 known victims, five were identified as sex workers, two were exotic dancers, one was a factory worker, and one was a student, and yet another one was of unknown occupation. So his victims' names were Artist Wick, 20. She was killed on March 27, 1984. And June Long, killed on May 13, 1984. She was 19. She also went by Lana or Peggy. Uh, Michelle Denise Sims, 22, killed on May 27, 1984. Linda Nuttall, assaulted on May 19th. Nope. May 1984. She survived. Elizabeth... Loudenbach, 22, killed on June 8th, 1984. Vicki Elliott, 21, killed on September 7th, 1984. Chanel Williams, 18, killed on October 17th. Nope. Wow. What is wrong with me? Chanel Williams, 18, killed on October 7th, 1984. Karen Din's friend, 28, killed on October 14th, 1984. Kimberly Hops, 22, killed on October 31st, 1984. Lisa McVeigh, 17, assaulted on November 3rd, 1984. She survived. Virginia Lee Johnson, 18, killed on November 6th, 1984. And Kim Marie Swan, 21, killed on November 11th, 
1984. So let's now turn our attention to Lisa McVeigh. So she's, as I said, a survivor um, and the woman responsible for leading investigators directly to Bobby Joe Long. So on November 3rd, 1984, 17-year-old Lisa McVeigh was riding her bike home from work. She had been living at the time with her grandmother and her grandmother's boyfriend. And about three years up to that point, her grandmother's boyfriend had been molesting Lisa. And she decided that day, just that day, that before she left for work, that night when she got home, she was going to kill herself. She wrote a suicide note, went to work, and planned on killing herself when she got back home that night. Because she felt like she had nowhere out. As she was riding home along a dark road, she felt someone rip her from the back of her bike. Nope. Do it again. As she was riding home alone along a dark road, she felt someone rip her from her bike from behind. And Lisa began to scream. Her attacker pressed a gun to her head and told her, shut up or I'll blow your brains out. All of her suicidal thoughts vanished and she went into survival mode. Mm -hmm. She told her attacker that she would do anything he wants if he did not kill her. So he threw her in a car, tied her up, blindfolded her. But as he blindfolded her, she wound up like tightening her jaw. So that way, when she when he was done and she would relax, she could still see out from <gasps> underneath the blindfold. I know. Genius. I would not have thought of that. Not at all. Done in a thousand years. Noted. <clears throat> For real. If that ever happened. For real. Um, she started to look around the car and take mental notes of what she was seeing. So the car had white seats, a dark red carpet. And there was a word magnum on the dashboard. So she credit her, credits her love of true crime shows with her ability to think so clearly at this moment. Crime shows and, of course, her own natural survival mode. Um, he ordered her to strip off her clothing, which she does, and he forced her to perform oral sex on him. She thinks to herself that though this is that she's been abused for so many years before this and she could make it through she also thinks to herself that she'll never let anyone do this to her ever again he asks how old she is and she lies and says that she's 19 so they begin to drive um she could tell they were heading north she could tell that by how fast they were going um and the wind was blowing into the windows that they must be on the interstate so they drove for about 20 minutes and they parked in a wooded area he grabbed her by the arm and started leaving, leading her forward until she felt a doorknob. So once they entered the building where they arrived at, <clears throat> she can see carpet, kind of takes notes of the colors. They go up a flight of stairs. She counted 19 steps, make a quick left and a quick right. And she realizes that they must be at an apartment building just because of the way how he was like maneuvering her into mm. the room. So he makes her undress again. He puts her in the shower, removes her blindfold, but demands that she does not look at him. She was able to see, though, that he had short brown hair. He washed her, blindfolded her again, threw her on the floor and raped her. He put ligatures on her arms and legs and put her on the bed, which was a water bed, climbed on top of her and dragged the gun across her stomach in a move to indicate that he was still in control. So he raped her over and over again for the next 24, nope, 26 hours. Yes. He slapped her, he punched her, and then he ordered her to go to sleep, <laughs> which, yeah, okay. Because <clears throat> I could sleep now, right? <laughs> um, he asks her name at one point and she lies and tells him her name is Carol. Eventually he takes her into another room. He makes her a sandwich. And as she's eating her sandwich, he turns on the TV and the show that he was watching gets interrupted with the news flash that a 17 year old girl named Lisa had been kidnapped. So once she hears this TV 
interruption, right? This newscast, she that reality kind of sets in of what's actually happening to her. Like all of a sudden she kind of <clears throat> snaps into reality of like, oh crap, it's me. So she begins to scream and cry. <clears throat> and once again, he threatens her that if she doesn't stop screaming, he says, if you scream one more time, I will be forced to put a bullet in your head. So when he said the word forced, Lisa realizes that he might not actually want to kill her, that he just like feels like he has to, to like get rid of witnesses or what have you. So he takes her back in the bedroom. He begins to rape her on and off again. At one point, he takes her hand and places it on his face. And now she's able to identify facial features. She can tell he has a mustache. She can tell he has pock marks on his cheek. She can even tell the shape of his nose. Um, and when he lets her use the bathroom, she's sure to leave her fingerprints everywhere. And she says that she did this. So if she didn't survive, the police would at least know that she was there. So they begin to talk and she asks him why he's doing this. He tells her it's to get back at women in general and because of a recent bad breakup. Oh, poor you. Um, I know. Poor you. Mm, eat glass. Like we all haven't had bad seriously, breakups. Seriously. Yeah. Jo- Jovi and I watched an episode of Schitt's Creek before we got here. Mm, eat glass. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that show. So she gives him a fake story about that she her father is gravely ill um, and he's super sick. She's the only one who can take care of him. And that if Long kills her, her father will have no one to help him and he, he might not survive. So later on, he gives Lisa another woman's shirt to wear and asks her where she lives and that he's going to take her home. She thinks he's actually going to take her somewhere to kill her. So they begin to drive and first Long stops at an ATM Uh, They continue to drive and arrive at a gas station. He goes inside and tells her that if she starts to scream, he will be forced to kill the attendant and then will kill her. So he, he finishes in the gas station, gets back in the car. They drive for a little bit more. He pulls behind a business and tells her that he's sorry and that her father is the reason that she's still alive. And he tells her to wait five minutes and then she can take the blindfold off. So she waits. She takes off the blindfold. He's gone and she's free. So she begins to run and it's about 4.30 in the morning and every time she hears a car nearby, she thinks that it's him returning to grab her again. She eventually finally arrives back at her grandmother's house. She begins to pound on the front door. The grandmother's boyfriend opens it up, grabs her by the hair, pulls her in the house, throws her on the ground and starts to beat her up and question her about where she, where she's been. And he asks if she's been cheating on him. Yeah. Yeah. Her grandmother finally calls Tampa Police Department and tells them, don't worry about that missing girl. She is home. She's making up some story about being kidnapped. Thankfully, the police say that they still need to do an investigation. So thank goodness the police stepped in and still did their investigation. Jesus. Yeah, seriously. So down at the police station, she's sitting with a female detective and she's kind of recounting her story. But because her demeanor was so calm... The detective thinks that she's lying. So the detective wants to keep going over the story again and again, I guess, to see if she can find like holes in Lisa's story. So Lisa finally says, no, bring in someone more intelligent. (laughs) So the next day she winds up being able to meet with uh, Sergeant Larry Pinkerton um, and tells him everything that had happened with Long. So Sergeant Pinkerton uh, at the time was overseeing the sexual crimes division and he believes her story and winds up calling the FBI. 
So a couple of days after meeting with Pinkerton, Lisa hears the news that another dead body had been found. And she gets this sinking feeling that the murderer is the same person who had abducted her. Um, So she calls Sergeant Pinkerton to tell him that she has more information that might be valuable. Pinkerton uh, speaks with her and then winds up getting in touch with the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, who was investigating the murders, and says, we think that the guy who abducted Lisa McVeigh is your serial killer. So Pinkerton also asked Lisa if she would like to be hypnotized. So basically his theory was maybe you did see his face and under hypnosis, you might be able to recall more specific things about him. But since she's only 17, they would need her parents' permission. But Lisa's grandmother's boyfriend refuses to let her be hypnotized. So Pinkerton finds this odd and tells Lisa that he thinks it's it's weird that the grandmother's boyfriend's refusing. So Lisa breaks down and tells Pinkerton everything that's been going on at home. Lisa's grandmother's boyfriend was arrested, and Lisa was placed in a center for runaway teens to protect her. Lisa was able to identify Bobby Joe Long from a photo lineup because she felt his face. So again, she remembered all of those features about him. So when she saw the photo, she's like, "That that's the nose I touched. Like, I know that that's him. Um, the police retraced the route that Lisa was able to recall the night of her abduction, and they were able to find the ATM that Long stopped at the night that she, rele- she was released. Um, they looked up Dodge Magnums in the Florida vehicle registration, and they were able to locate his name, Robert Joseph Long. And once they found his name, they started to kind of monitor his movements. So they went to his apartment and they see him stuffing things into the dumpster outside and draining his waterbed, almost as if he was looking to leave town. So they finally arrest Bobby Joe Long outside of a movie theater. Can I say how weird that is? Like, Like, that you know someone's leaving town because they're draining their waterbed? It's such a 1980s thing to know. I'm like, (laughs) what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they finally arrest Bobby Joe Long outside of a movie theater 12 days after Lisa was abducted. He had killed two more women in those 12 days. Jesus. Yeah. So the FBI were able to tie together all of the evidence from his string of murders and Lisa's attack. So Lisa decided at this point she was going to become a cop because she decided that she didn't want what happened to her to happen to anyone else as as long as she could prevent it. So um, at this time, though, she was about to age out of the runaway center and she needed to find a place to go. Uh, They found Lisa's mother in a crack house literally that's what lisa had said and lisa's mom said she's on her own so lisa's aunt and uncle wound up coming and getting her and she said that they were the first people to ever show her love and with their support she started toward her goal of becoming a police officer so In 1999, Lisa transferred from her job at the Hillsborough County Parks and Recreation Department to one as a dispatcher for the Sheriff's Department. She also became a reserve deputy and put herself through police academy in 2004. She became a deputy full-time and is also now a school resource officer. She works at a middle school and is mama bear to all the kids that she protects. So Lisa tells her story and offers advice to those who listen to it. She tells the kids that she works with what to do um, if somebody were to take them. So, you know, do what you're told, make sure that you, you know, go into survival mode, listen to your instincts, basically. Um, If she's talking to a troubled student, she tells them that there once was a girl whose family abandoned her. She was kidnapped and raped, but that girl did not lose her way. That girl is a hero and a survivor. On May 23rd, 2019, 
Lisa McVeigh sat in the witness room at the Florida State Prison in Bradford County, Florida, and watched as Bobby Joe Long died by lethal injection. He had sat on death row for 34 years before his execution. He ate his final meal at 9.30 a.m. local time. He requested roast beef, bacon, french fries, and soda, and he was pronounced dead at 6.55 p.m. and made no final statement. And that is the survivor story of Lisa McVeigh. Yay. Yay. So, yes, in remembrance to all of his victims, that monster, 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 and uh, big props to Lisa McVeigh, who is fucking badass. Legit. Mm-hmm. It literally gave me goosebumps. Mm. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. So, yeah, overcoming the odds, my friend, overcoming the odds. But All right. Well, I mean, that that does it for this week's episode of Bed Crime Stories. Jovi's face looks worried. I know, poor Jovi. (laughs) Jovi's scarred now. (laughs) I just feel like that was just terrible. It's terrible. Like, I mean, no situation is good, but that was just, she, she was trying to get away from it. Then she got more of it. And it just. The hits kept coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck, dude. Yep. And all it took was somebody to show her love to give her the strength to do what she needed to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, be- between her aunt and uncle who took her in and, and showed her care and parental guidance, and Larry Pinkerton who believed her and listened to her and, you know, passed her story along to the FBI and, you know, said, yeah, no, she's she's not lying type of a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Fucking Florida. Fucking Florida, man. That's all I gotta say. That's all I have to say. That's why when people are like, I, I don't trust anyone. No. Nope. Trust no one. Uh-uh. People. Yeah. They're not great. They're not great. <laughs> so, like, I had posted something the other day about how it was like a TikTok, but it was basically talking about, like, things that women can't do, and one of them was, like, walk alone at night, and my friend was like, oh, I do. Like, mom ain't raised no bitch, and I was like... I used to go out clubbing all the time and I used to have weird ass men follow me to my car. Mm -hmm. I got punched one time at a bar because I didn't let some guy buy me a drink. Mm -hmm. Like people are fucking sketchy. People. Yeah. People are crazy. They're terrible. Yep. People suck. But yeah. So that is uh, this week's bed crime story. Good job. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to give Jovi bad dreams now. (laughs) You never heard that story? Really? Yeah. I'm crazy. It's crazy, oh, crazy, crazy. That's yeah. Just, that's, I, my heart aches for her, but I'm glad she was able to overcome it. Yeah, man. And she's and she's a better person mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of it. Yep. And helping others to yes. fight through the same, hopefully not as Person. awful, but, um, you know, helping people fight through bad situations. So, mm-hmm. you know, we stand a hero. You know what I'm saying? A shiro. What a up, shiro? Um, all right. Well, Everybody, thank you so much for for listening. As always, we appreciate every single one of you. Um, we think you're groovy. We think you're great. Please find us on social media. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Bed Crime Stories, Twitter at Bed Crime Stories, TikTok at Bed Crime Stories. Videos coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at Bed Crime Stories Pod at gmail.com. Be like Kelly. Send us awesome stories. Say hey. Um, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, find us. Like, subscribe, review. 
Leave a review. Because the more that you review and star and like and subscribe, the more people can find us. So, um, yeah, pass along. Tell a friend. And uh, we'll talk to you guys all next week. <laughs> We're cracking bones over here. Crack, I was crack, like, crack, crack, that crack. just looked really nice. Cracking bones. Like... <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that was nice. If you could hear that, that was my neck. <laughs> now my You're going to say my neck. My neck. No, 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 no. All right. Well, on that note, I hope that you guys all have a great night. We will talk to you all next week. But until then, sweet dreams. My neck. My back. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.